total transparency, I find myself sitting in silence a lot, stewing. Um, I internalize a lot of things. And if I get frustrated, I let it build a little bit. Another thing adds on to it, I let it build a little bit more. And I wind up uh, blowing up in the lightest way possible, in the most passive-aggressive way possible. And I feel miserable over that. I don't like doing it. I hate it. I don't like making others feel bad. I don't want to put guilt on somebody else because that's all that it's been is I felt like guilty about something or felt like I've inconvenienced someone or whatever. And the tension between that and feeling like I shouldn't be made to feel that way is what causes me to then project that same thing onto somebody else, leading to those moments of silence. Trying to sit and think about everything. I'll, you know, argue in my head. I'll go over the reasons why I'm right, whatever it is. Doesn't make me feel better. It actually makes me feel worse in the end. I don't know. I never wanted to be that person. I know my dad dealt with that kind of stuff a lot. And I didn't understand it growing up. It just seemed like anger. Like anger problems. Knowing him now, knowing him a little better. Yeah, I'd still say he has a short fuse, but I know that it's a series of things building up that brings frustration to him. I've seen time and time again where he goes back to something, you know, apologetic or guilty feeling. And so I can tell it's the same thing that I'm going through now. But I wonder how to change those moments, how to take a step back from them and I guess it's, you know, swallowing your pride and trying to be the person that, you know, turns it into a more positive thing for everybody. I've heard it a few different ways from many different people, but the idea is, you know, in a argument, you're the only one that can resolve it. Meaning that if you take the effort and initiative to change the tone and turn it around, you have control over that. You can't make somebody else do that. But by doing it, you can affect them and even bring resolve between you and that person or people faster than you would have through an argument. like to think I can work on that. I'd like to think I am working on that. I don't know. Let's see what happens. I'll be here in a little bit. Sorry, DJ. Plans hold up, leads to other... Yup, yup. Auto right behind you.
This is a very reassuring sound to us. Because it's the sound of Story's heart beating. Uh, we came here right after I recorded the last bit, uh, just concerned about movement or at the hospital and, um, you know, wanting to make sure that everything was okay. Uh, speaking of silence, um, this. It's reassuring because when it, um, returns hollow, it's not good, and we've been there. We've been there a few times. We lost our daughter, Nora, uh, at 38 weeks. So we found out about that through a, um, like I said, silent ultrasound, which is just, I mean, to this day, I think the worst sound that, that we know. Uh, and that happened again with our next pregnancy at uh, 12 weeks, um, unexpectedly, just a checkup. So they're not fun. Um, needless to say, uh, this heartbeat is a much better sound than the silence. I was reading about this guy named Bernie Krause who records nature sounds for film and television. And he was saying that in 1968, in order to get one hour of undisturbed natural sound, like no airplanes, no cars, it would take him about 15 hours of recording time. And he was saying that today, in order to get that same one hour of undisturbed sound, it takes him 2,000 hours of recording time. It reminds me of the story of one of the great Jewish prophets, Elijah, who's been going and going, and he's just about at the end. I mean, he's just totally stressed, just totally fried, and doesn't even know if he wants to go on. And God says, Elijah, go up on the mountain, because I'm going to show up. And so Elijah goes up on the mountain. 
And so this wind comes on the mountain and it like shakes the mountain violently, but God isn't in the wind. And then there's this earthquake, but God isn't in the earthquake. And then like this massive fire covers the mountain, but God isn't in the fire. And then comes the still, small voice of God. Now, there's all this discussion about what exactly this, this voice is. Because some people think that the actual Hebrew word doesn't even refer to a sound that you could like hear with your ears, like an audible noise. And so some translators translate the phrase that God was in the sound of sheer silence. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God was in the silence.